my go-to. Like when I start getting anxious, I just like Irish exit. Like I am the queen. <laughs> like oh, honestly, I do like, that. Tombstone, it will be like this girl like reinvented the Irish goodbye. Like she is like that's honestly my claim to fame. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human being behind Big Kid Problems, Sarah Merrill. Now, I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about entering the adult world, and as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have Big Kid Problems. So each week, we will take a funny yet informative look at a specific Big Kid Problem, break it down with our roundtable panel, then have on an expert to help us solve our problem of the week. From love and relationships, career, money, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. This week, we are getting into it, folks. We are diving into a big, big kid problem that I'm sure has affected probably 100% of you listening at one point or another. So this is the anxiety episode. Now, I love that in 2019, we are talking more and more about anxiety and mental health and taking away the stigma because the truth is we all either have faced or will face anxiety at some point in our lives. Now, for some of you, it may affect you every single day. And for others, you may face like anxious periods, like something following a breakup or losing a job or just some other high stress situation. And I'm here to tell you, uh, you are just so not alone. So many people go through this, um, and that's why we're going to talk about it today. A little about me, I developed anxiety a little bit later in life, so I've been on both sides of this. I had a friend in college who had regular panic attacks, and I remember thinking, like, dude, it's not that serious. Just relax. Or man, she's being a little dramatic right now. (laughs) And then about a year later, when I got my first panic attack, I realized just how wrong I was for thinking those things. And now I am just like completely so empathetic to anybody who ever suffers any kind of anxiety because I know what it's like. And um, if you suffer from anxiety or maybe you don't, but a friend or loved one uh, really does, I think you will get a lot of insight from this episode and it will hopefully help you to deal with it in one way or another. So, all right, I have to give you a quick warning about this episode before we jump in. This episode is a bit of a wild ride, uh, I guess we could say. You know, first, we're kicking things off with our roundtable panel, and I have on two female comedians, Ren Woods and Audrey Stewart, to talk about what gives them anxiety. But um, this roundtable got a little out of hand quickly. Um, We recorded while we had the Sunday scaries, and there may or may not have been some champagne involved. Um, But the roundtable took some pretty big twists and turns. Um, And if you can make it through that, uh, we also have on our expert, Megan Bruno, who is a therapist and executive coach who has been featured on Forbes, Entrepreneur, Mind Body Green, and just countless other reputable platforms. So I'm really excited that she agreed to be on this podcast. And um, she's going to give us a lot of information. Um, She breaks down so many reasons why we have anxiety and then gives us actual tools, resources, and natural ways to help us handle it. So it's a really good episode. And um, if you stick around, I'll also be sharing a little bit about my personal experience with anxiety and some things that really helped me in my journey. So buckle in and stay with us. We will be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. Woo! Woo! Am, thanks. Thanks for that. Welcome. You've given us one glass of champagne and all of a sudden we've turned into woo girls. I, know, <laughs> I feel like taking my clothes off. <laughs> Went at the beach. All right. I haven't even introduced you guys and you're already offering to get naked. This is going to be a great episode. Woo! All right. We have... Ren Woods and Audrey Stewart here. They are two stand-up Paris. comedians here in LA. 
and my new friends that I've wrangled here today. <laughs> yes. And with champagne. We so love new friends. We, we only it. came for the champagne. We, yeah. we, we, came we were mad we had to drive all the way to Manhattan Beach until you were like, there's going to be champagne. And then we were like, oh, we'll be there in five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and it comes in a glitter bottle yeah. down. Yeah. Uh, unofficial sponsor, One Hope Wine. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Amazing. That's my life. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> all right. Well, I, this is actually perfect that I have you here on a Sunday morning, both all of us hungover because we're talking about the anxiety episode. Oh, it's, yeah. It's real. Are you guys having some Sunday scaries right now? Absolutely. Or? I mean, that's why we're drinking more to make them go away. Plus, I'm on my period, so it is amplified right now. <laughs> oh, man. That's like the trifecta, like hungover. Sunday scaries, period. Cramping with a lot of thoughts. And I'm like super ADHD. So like the to-do list I have in my head right now, it's going at a million miles a minute. And you know what? I'm just, I'm here. I'm living it. She's like, yeah, I'm sitting here and doing this instead of doing that. Yeah, drink yeah. champagne. And now I have anxiety for being doing this podcast instead of getting my to-do list done. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> no, but let's, let's talk about it. So you guys, would you classify yourselves as like having anxiety normally? Or is this like a come and go type situation? For me, it's for sure a come-and-go situation. Like, I definitely get it when I feel like I'm not in control of my life. Which is, which like, is all the time. All the time. You, <laughs> Are you, you ever in control? You're never in control. So it's like, I mean, I could literally look at the wall and get anxiety. <laughs> right. I, I might as well come-and-go, too, but I have consistent bad luck. <laughs> like, I'm talking, like, terrible bad luck. Almost like I'm knocking on wood because I feel like I'm about to get, like, hit with something from the sailing right now. But I, that come anxiety comes with that. So it's like come and go, but it's consistent because of my bad luck, if that makes sense. No, it, it totally makes Audrey sense. I got our car towed this week. My car got towed three days ago because I was barely blocking a driveway. No. That's some bullshit. I was like this, like blocking it like this. And then they could still, you could like fit a semi truck in and out. But yet, like the people were just pissed off. Like, Someone saw my car barely sticking out, and they, they literally like, like called the tow truck on you. Called the tow truck on me. That's what do you have? What do you have going in on in your life besides nothing in order to call a tow truck? Literally, on someone like Audrey. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd say that's like one of my big anxiety things, like money in general. Oh, yeah. I, have none. Oh. I have none. I have none. None, no really. So, like, literally, I'm getting a little tipsy. So, if I'm not making sense, good. <laughs> um, no, but I have like no money right now. It's oh. giving me so much anxiety. What do you do? Well, I go on aggressive runs. Um, <laughs> that was actually, that was better than I was thinking. Like, yeah. I was like, Okay, but like when you go on the run, this is what I do. Is if, I, if I have anxiety, I'll go to the gym and I'll go on a run. And during the run, I will think about all the anxiety that I have. So then I can't run anymore. <laughs> and you're and just then like I cry myself and I'm just like crying at the gym. And like the person next to me is like, do you, are you okay? Like, do you need like a hand? Like, <laughs> are, you, are you okay? Like, it's embarrassing when like the gay guy at the gym, like puts his hand on your back and he's like, it's going to be okay. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, that actually, that actually brings me to another a good question. Like where, where do you have your mental breakdown? <laughs> I, and I live with a bunch of people, so I can't have. Okay. She doesn't just live with yeah. a bunch of people. She lives with like 10 gay guys. Have you ever had to bring a guy home? to your pad with all gay dudes? Yeah, I had, so I am not that sexually active because we don't even know, I don't even, I'm trying to figure out what, I, just, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> everything's up in the air with my <laughs> If you want to talk about anxiety, it's my sec, like sexual, like, because I- gives you anxiety? Yeah, because I'm like weird. Like, I'm not- I, I, I get, I can't, I've only seen porn once and I was forced to at a pregame. I am not that sexually active. I don't like active. porn. I don't like porn. And like all of a sudden I'm just shut off to like, I can't get into any guy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what just, about the, what about the I, lady? That's what about a, the lady? So that was a question. And I, I don't think, I've never tried it. I, I don't know. I don't think so. But I, I'm like shut off to that too. I think it's just like, Shut up. Maybe off. you're just like career oriented. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Let's give me a Let's get hammered and like get <laughs> you to a bar and just see and what just, happens. And just like see what happens. Like, like ah, is it going to be a girl or is it going to be a guy? I've never had an issue of like, I've never questioned my sexuality in college. Stuff. I was like, I'm straight, whatever, blah. But then I moved out to LA and I feel like so many people, it might be with my stand-up act, but people, because I'm very what, aggressive on stage. Yeah, you're aggressive on stage, but like you have like an energy that's... I have an energy. And people, but people are like, are you gay? And I'm like, what? 
I'm like, but why am I not dating anyone right now? So like, and it's so anxious. I'm so anxious. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't think I'm let not, her figure out. Like, and I'm not bi because I haven't swung the other way. Yeah. So I'm just like, what's going on? It's you know, all right. So let's. You right, can so like try. It if there's a, yeah, if there's a place to try it out, like I mean, I've definitely made out with a girl before. I'm definitely 100 not gay. I loved it. But, <laughs> but see, I feel like if I were gay, I would have already. Of. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe you know. just don't know. It's anxiety. This is the anxiety. I feel like, but like you have such good friends, like to make you comfortable. Like if oh, you want to yeah. try it, you should do it. No, but there's not. Like, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. You gotta find a good lesbian friend that's just like, hey, like, Alex. She's a lesbian. Yeah, but. Yeah, she could. Dip, you could like dip your toes in with Alex. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like recommending that she like hook up with her lesbian friends. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this took a turn. This took yeah, a turn. This podcast, yeah. yeah. Right. took a turn. So we came on this podcast to talk about how we get rid of anxiety, this and now we're getting out. more anxiety. This is come out because I think everyone from home, their question is, is she gay? And they're going to be really wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, after that podcast, <laughs> she's definitely we're gay. Still unsure, but she's definitely wrong. <laughs> I mean, everyone. Ask me if I'm gay, so I don't know. Have you made out with a girl before? Yeah, but like who hasn't? Who hasn't? Everyone does that. That's not like very gay. Like like, no. And also, like you're not like best friends with someone until you're like a little gay. You know, (laughs) (laughs) like you, you know. Yeah. So we don't know sex or like just everything is shut off, and so that gives that's my. One of going circling back. That's my something I'm really anxious about right now. It's okay, just like, yeah. Why am I not? It's probably not what we thought. You no, like, but I mean that's, that's what's interesting is like people get anxiety from all different types of that's things. That's so honest and like you're just so that's a vulnerable thing to admit. I know it's and wild. It's, it's, it's hard. The champagne. I yeah. <laughs> but it's cool though that like you can like talk about that and. Like you're, that's like your way of dealing with it. It's like talking about like this anxiety that you get from that. Yeah. Yeah. Like how else are you going to deal with it other than like talking about it? Because a right. lot of people probably have this feeling. Yeah. That which, they don't know. Yeah. Because they don't yeah. know, which is, which is cool that like you can be the one to talk about it. Like you're the comedian. You can like go on a public forum and talk about it. Yeah. So you're probably going to help other people that have this feeling. And like you truly like inside, like you don't know. Right. So like you're figuring it out. Yeah. You're like here I am. I'm a work in progress. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. And I could still be sure. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. I feel like there's like, you could probably like now you can even, I feel like people just do both. Like, isn't that like Jada Pinkett Smith and Will and Smith? Smith? Yeah, I they heard they're like, everyone. They like, they, they go both fingers? ways. Oh, I don't know. I, like, okay, can I tell you guys? That. Can well, I tell you? Smith do it, my God. Can I tell you guys like low key, like what I did last weekend? Yeah, yeah. High key. I'm just going to take another sip of I mean, this conversation, this conversation is like taking a like way south turn, but like, I feel like it's okay if I talk about this. Okay. So I went to a sex party last weekend. What? Um, okay. Sorry, what is just... a sex party? Okay. So my friend invited me to the sex party. I'm definitely not supposed to talk about it on air, but I'm definitely doing <laughs> That's it. That's like anyways. the first rule of the sex party is <laughs> we don't like, talk we about don't sex party. party. <laughs> we don't talk about it. Okay. So I went because like I'm genuinely curious. So I went with like two friends and we had heard that it's like there's this secret society in LA of these people that they just like go and it's like a fuck party. And like we thought that like Johnny Depp would be there and <laughs> Paltrow would be there because like that's like how it was advertised yeah yeah like sexy like hot people and I was like damn like I want kind of want to see like Gwyneth Paltrow like give like anal to Johnny Depp with a strap on (laughs) that's like what I was going for like that's what I wanted to watch and like we didn't participate or anything like that like I'm not like into like that kind of thing but I was just so curious I had to go so we got there and it was like very very dirty it was like it felt like dirty, gross, like Burning Man orgy sex. I'm picturing not- like a zebra couch. Was there like... Oh my God, there was a zebra couch there! There was a zebra couch there! Oh my God, there was a zebra couch there! No. Yes, I have to know! Were you there? Oh my no, God. Oh, but so I have anxiety but, for you. Oh, it was, so I was, I had such high anxiety at this party because I got there and I was like, this is so gross. There was all these like old disgusting men there and I went with like a really good guy friend and a, my best girlfriend and so like I'm the three of us let you go if you're not gonna partake because I've heard of these before but you have to like partake to no, be like admitted no like a lot of people were just like there like just there was chilling. like a, there was like a husband and wife there that were like definitely saving their marriage because they were like they just like started fucking in front of a bunch of people and like they didn't like engage with 
anyone else. But I wonder I mean, what this that is like the next thing. morning, you know, like for the married couple, uh, or like, or like, or like, or like the girl like getting like ass fucked by like four people with strap ons at like the same time. Like I don't know what was it like for her. What does she do? What's her day job? Like all I could think about was like, what do these people do during the day? Like, does she work at a coffee shop? Like, does she is she an executive? Like, yeah. What? It, but it was gross. Like I don't know. I felt like you know that show Veep with Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, I want to watch more of that. Okay, well it's really funny, but I felt like this was like the behind the scenes of like real life beep. Like it's all like these like gross, dirty politician people and then like dominatrix kind of females. That is like it was so nice. and, and it was that like a nice. lot of people were definitely like paid to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I felt oh, really that's gross. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of people were paid to be there. Like high and escort type people. Okay, you know what's funny? And I felt, I just felt so uncomfortable. I was like, <laughs> I got, this is not my scene. I got like, I went, I tried it. I'm, I have a very curious mind. So I have to like go and like, try things and like I need to know what things are about so that's why I went uh but I will never be going back <laughs> no <laughs> one and done you see oh, it I went, like I saw it and I'm done so yeah. anyway Audrey if you wanted to go like, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a lot I knew you were gonna there's a lot I would go back with you <laughs> oh my I love how it just came full circle like yeah. you got a cure for your anxiety Weird sex parties in LA. <laughs> I, I know the trick. No, I'm, I'm saying like, if there's any anxiety to be had, like I, I get anxiety by looking at the wall when I have too much alone time and I'm thinking about my career. Yeah. That's like when I get the most of my anxiety. But going to the sexual party, I was like, well, this is like just the next level. Like something, it was just, I was out of my element. Yeah. And I didn't quite know what to do with what was happening. <laughs> Wait, so was there any, there was no Gwyneth Paltrow? Trailer? No, it was all like gross people. And I was so <laughs> sad. So I think we went to the wrong one. Apparently there's like a separate club. Yeah. Like they accepted us too easily. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like general admission. They asked, party. Yeah, they like asked for our, like our, a photo of us. <laughs> but like, I don't, I'm not going to a general admissions like Gordy again. Yeah. <laughs> no, I need to be at the VIP one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm just going to be. Doing it right. Oh my yes. God. Well, <laughs> speaking of that, have you guys ever like gotten really like socially anxious and like a public setting and like done something weird? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Oh God. 100%. <laughs> let me like, let me like uh, narrow it down like this week. Yes. Yes. I fake phone calls. You fake you phone calls? You do? fake phone calls. And it's weird. <laughs> so what do you mean? And it actually tests my acting. It's psychotic. This is psychotic. I literally... If I'm like really anxious to something in the, a lot of times I'll go out and put, I don't really care about my image. Like I like do what I want in terms of like what I wear. Like I've never but, really thought twice about what I wear, whatever. But that's the most this, refreshing part about you, by the way. Thank you. You're I like that. that. And we're in matching overalls that. right now, that. by the way. Speaking we, we of, are. You're a real I'm, human. You're a real human. Yeah, I don't care what I look like, like the majority of the time. I, don't, I mean, I, I just will wear what I, I mean, I wore this yesterday. It was on my floor and I knew it was easy. So I put <laughs> yeah. it back on for today. I put my slider, Nike sliders on. Like, I mean, but like I, I, in terms of like, I don't care what I look like, but I went out to the store and I wasn't wearing a bra and I was in sweats and what, usually it's like, whatever, I'll go to the Ralph's, whatever. For some reason, that particular time, there was like people that were kind of around my age that I don't, it, it was a bunch of dudes and usually I don't care. But it was like, I felt weird. I felt awkward. I felt like I had to do something to compromise <laughs> my looks for the first, like for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And I wasn't like ashamed of what I looked like. It was just like, I didn't compromise it. So I got on the phone. I was like, yeah, like got so fucked up last night. You know, I don't even know what's happening. Just threw on this dude's clothes. Cause I wear no. a lot of dude's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like faking a phone call. So all these guys were like, Oh, did your phone start ringing while you were talking? Phone call? <laughs> Can you imagine? That's I like would die. I would die. Did I explain yeah. that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'm like yeah. sweating. Yeah, no, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, so I faked a phone call for that. Okay, that's embarrassing. That's like a risky move. Kidding. That's, that's a, a very risky, risky move. move. It's a risky move. Yeah. It, it, people can literally be like, yo, she's faking a phone call. And that's psychotic. Oh my God. But I mean, you I mean that's a, that's a good that's a good move. I feel like my my go-to, like when I start getting anxious, is I just like Irish exit. Like I am the queen. <laughs> Like, oh, honestly, under, I like, do that. Tombstone, it will be like this girl like reinvented the Irish goodbye. Like she is like, that's honestly my claim to fame. <laughs> it's like, I love the it. Irish the Irish goodbye is so good. Okay. You know what? I'm in support of this because 
why do you need to say goodbye wow. to no. 75 people? You Whatever just talk to them goodbye, all night. It makes it worse. It makes it worse. Because then they're like, y'all stay. And why you don't, don't you stay? remember. You don't remember. You're not at a party. And you're, you oh, that up, person didn't say bye to me. You don't wake up me. and you're like, well, you know what? Jane Smith didn't say goodbye to me at 11.32 p.m. And I know that bitch left. <laughs> you don't give a fuck. No one wasted. wakes up yeah. and says that. No, no one. Literally no one. No. no. Yeah. Once you realize that, like the rest of your life begins, you know, because yeah. like I used to make such an effort to like say goodbye. And now I'm like, I will go to the bathroom and like leave out the window. Yeah. 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 <laughs> She's like, when I say Irish goodbye, I literally shatter. Windows. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of though, uh, like Irish goodbying at parties, like when you're over it, like last night I went to a concert with a new friend and I was around, a, but I'm very talkative. I'm very social. And it's yeah. not hard for me to like get in conversations with people. This but, is wild. I don't know why I'm getting. But when good. you when you're in a new situation, when it's all people you've never met before, and you keep oh, they yeah. all know each other, so they're talking about like stuff that they know. But you know, okay, so you know, like when people they all know each other, yeah, and they're oh, already friends. Life, friend. I just are, yeah. Right. So they're already friends. So then you, you, how do you insert yourself in the conversation? How do you insert yourself in the conversation? You know oh, what I it's mean? It's so awkward. It's, that, that is actually, okay, like that is my anxiety right now. Is I just moved to LA and like that is me every single night of the week. Anytime I go out with anyone, I'm just like, okay, I'm the weird new girl. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah so how, like I don't even okay. know what to do. And then, and then you like pay them weird compliments. Like I like your overalls. And then that only lasts for so long. Or like, oh, I like your shirt. Like I can't get your shirt. Like, you said that we liked your overalls this morning. I want you yeah, It's like, what do you say to me when you don't know that like I have no interest in getting to know you, but it like you so know. hard. And I, especially with just the older like, you get. Look at the ceiling. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> like I'll just go funny. fuck myself now. All right, guys. Well, this has been, I'm sure, very informative for everyone involved. <laughs> All right, guys. Sorry. I know that took a couple turns there, but if you stick around, we will be right back with our expert of the week, Megan Bruno. She is here to solve our big kid problem of the week, which is anxiety. So I think it's going to be pretty valuable. Stick around. We will be right back. We're talking about anxiety this week, and I swear the idea of having to go to work after a few weeknight drinks used to seriously stress me out. That is until I discovered Morning Recovery. Morning Recovery is essentially the drink for when you drink. All you have to do is drink one Morning Recovery before you go to bed to help your body detox, rehydrate, and bounce back so you can have fun at night and do more the next day. Morning Recovery's secret is DHM, a plant-derived superhero ingredient that helps speed up the breakdown of alcohol-induced toxins so you can wake up feeling fresh as a daisy. Sure, if you, you can drink water, chug Pedialyte, or scarf greasy food down the next morning, but none of these things are going to leave you feeling the way Morning Recovery will. It's amazing. So there is no reason not to try Morning Recovery and they have a special deal for our listeners this week. Go to morelabs.com slash bigkid for 20% off your entire order. Oh, and if you don't love it, you get your money back. So really, there's no reason not to try it. Again, if you've ever felt like crap the day after drinking, you need to try Morning Recovery. Get 20% off a six-pack, 12-pack, or 24-pack at morelabs.com slash bigkid. Again, that is morelabs.com slash bigkid. Try it today. All right. We are joined now with Megan Bruno, and she is a therapist, speaker, executive coach, You've been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Thrillist, Mind, Body, Green, Shape Magazine. I mean, the list goes on and on. Megan, you also have your own podcast called The Failure Factor. I do. You do. So I'm so happy you could come by and join us today. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right. So you are going to help us with this big kid problem today of anxiety. I feel like so many people, especially like at this age group, at this time in our lives, have so much anxiety. Do you think this is normal or has this gotten worse over the years? Like, does our generation have more anxiety than past generations? Yeah. Um, so anxiety, like everybody has, quote unquote, has anxiety to a certain extent. It's just whether or not it's like situational or chronic, if that makes sense. So I'll go more into it. Like, 
there's anxiety in the sense that there's the the clinical diagnosis of generalized anxiety or any kinds of anxiety disorders. Um, and then there's like, you know, feeling anxious before a presentation or feeling anxious because you drank too much the last the night before or something like that, or feeling anxious because you're really into a dude and he hasn't texted you back. <laughs> so, so it kind of depends. I mean, yes, we all experience anxiety and at a certain point, we do put a clinical diagnosis on it and we decide that, okay, you know, this person is struggling with something in which they might benefit from professional help or support or medication potentially. So yes, so, but that's all to say that absolutely, I mean, it, there are a bunch of reasons that anxiety has increased, or at least we like have the experience that it's increased. I mean, one, you know, there is less stigma around mental health issues. And so people are coming forward with it more and they're talking about it a lot more. And a lot of people are realizing through education that like, yeah, maybe I do have anxiety or experience anxiety or am experiencing anxiety. Um, And so that does like inflate the numbers in terms of the statistics. But also like we do live in a very stressful time right now. You know, I mean, it's very different being, you know, a, a 30 year old today than it was 50 years ago. I mean, it's impossible, it seems, to buy a house, you know, Um, especially as women. It's not like we're just, I shouldn't say just expected to be housewives, but like we don't just have expectations on us to like be a partner. We also have expectations on us to be a partner, be a career woman, you know, have children by a certain age, like look a certain way, maintain a certain weight. Um, For some of us, it's like build our brands and things like that. So there are a lot of stressors that naturally it will increase anxiety because we're like, oh shit, I have so much that I have to do. <laughs> um, you know, in addition to that, like we we actually, and we'll probably get into this, but there are so many ways we can numb nowadays. So what happens is we never really learn how to work with our anxiety because we can constantly run from ourselves like all the time. So Ooh, even- go on about that. Like, like, so even like, so for example, our iPhones, right? I mean, yes. that has- increased anxiety because the moment we feel anxious, we can numb and turn ourselves off by like going on social media, which often makes us feel worse. Most of the time makes <laughs> us feel worse. We're like, oh fuck, I don't look like that person. Or I, that person's like having so much fun doing this thing. And right. therefore I am not enough. And You're constantly we, comparing. Exactly. Constantly comparing and despairing. And so, you know, whereas a long time ago, or, you know, even before we had all this technology, we had to learn how to be with ourselves and we had to actually learn how to turn inward. Now we don't have to turn inward at all. We can just like totally turn off and numb, whether it's through, yes, like technology or dating apps or texting or social media, or, I mean, you know, there's a lot of substances that we can use, like illicit and not illicit or prescription, I should say. Um, Does wine or, count? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, wine <laughs> counts, wine counts. And you know, we, yes, we just like, we are not spending the same amount of time like with ourselves and learning how to be with ourselves. And we're feeling all this pressure that's going to contribute to it. And finally, like there's actually some studies that show anxiety has increased with the decrease of religion. So anxiety is all about uncertainty, right? Like Mm -hmm. basically there's a correlation there in which as humans, we want certainty. We want comfort, certainty, and control. The three C's we talk about when I relate it to perfectionism. And so basically when we have uncertainty, we're going to feel anxiety because we want to be able to predict our futures. And so when we don't have answers and, you know, um, when we don't have a a God that we believe in or something that we believe is taking care of us, we just put all this pressure on ourselves to be uh, sort of at the helm of our lives and control everything and predict everything. And so that increases anxiety as well. So that's interesting. Yeah. There are a lot of like, yes. So basically to answer your question, anxiety has definitely risen. Part of it might be like a reporting bias type thing. And then part of it is very real reasons that we're more anxious today. Yeah. That is so interesting, especially I like what you're saying about the whole, we don't really face our problems. We're always kind of masking them. Like I definitely relate to that. Do you think, I, I've heard like these things, especially about like the way that we use our phones. Like, I don't know about you, but I wake up in the morning and it's like, it's like my morning paper. Like I wake totally. up like to wake my brain up and I get yelled, my boyfriend yells at me all the time. He's like, don't pick up your phone the first few seconds of the day. Yeah. But like, that's how I wake up. Like, do you think that is like a major no now? Or like, are there ways of like... I think we need to learn what serves us and it's different for everybody. But yes, a phone is absolutely a way of running at times. I mean, it's such an easy way that we don't have to turn inward. So um, like funny, humbling story that I had lately is I uh, have been chronically losing my voice recently. And I had this like really humbling moment where I was like, fuck, like, so I, I had to go see like a speech pathologist and stuff. And they're like, you can't talk um, or drink um, and you can't, but you can't talk like unless absolutely necessary. And I'm a therapist, right? So like, I'm not going to cancel on all my clients, but I was like, okay, I can see my clients, but I can't like 
friends, sorry, I can only text. Like I can't, you know, just call people whenever I want. And so I had all these moments of quiet that I don't normally have. And it was really humbling because I was like, fuck, like I'm feeling some things. And I realized like that's still one of the ways that I use to numb my anxiety. So like, whereas I, my, my history is I struggled with eating disorders for a long time and depression and anxiety. And my eating disorder was one way that I kind of created this illusion of control. And I, underneath like this, belief that if I, you know, was thin enough or controlled everything that I put in my body or exercised enough or whatever, I would be enough. But underneath that was just this chronic shame that like, I am not enough. And I believe that if I did all those things, I could protect myself from like rejection and hurt and anxiety and shame and like all the difficult feelings. But ironically, attaching to these like external sources of, of, you know, numbing or calming, it actually perpetuates the cycle where we rely on that. We never actually get to look inside and work with the anxiety itself and our relationship to self. So Mm. like, whereas, you know, one person might use their phone or Xanax or something to constantly numb that anxiety, I was realizing that I was actually using talking a lot. And so it's been interesting the last few weeks, spending a lot more time with myself. And, you know, I always go and walks on the West Side Highway, but oftentimes I'll call people and I haven't been able to. I'm like, I'm just gonna listen to music and I'm just gonna fucking feel. (laughs) And so, so yeah, so this, yeah, it's definitely a way that we, we numb and we avoid. And I think everybody could benefit from just waking up like both literally and metaphorically waking up in the sense that maybe in the morning instead of reaching for your phone right away you're actually just taking like even 30 seconds and just checking in and being like you know what's happening for me right now what am I feeling you know emotionally physically what am I thinking mm-hmm. and just do a check in with yourself and don't judge yourself you don't have to be happy and we'll probably get into that too that's something that I pisses me off is when people, uh, you know, the pressure to be happy and everyone's like, just be positive, be positive. That is not a way to deal with your anxiety. So yes. (laughs) Oh my God. You hit on so many things there. I'm like, let me back up because now there's so many things I want to ask you. But I love what you just said about the whole, like you're waiting for external factors. You're like, if I get to a certain weight, I'll be happy. Cause that's something I've realized in my own life. Like I, I'm like a big goal setter. Like yeah. if I, if I have anxiety, I'm always like, all right, well, I'm going to put things in place because yeah. I know I can hit those yeah. and then feel better. Totally. And I think a lot of people are like, well, if I get a better job, I'll yeah. be happy. If I get in the right relationship, I'll be happy. And then you get those things and then you're still not happy. Exactly. So that's exactly what perfectionism is. So perfectionism is that like looking outside of ourselves for a sense of self-worth and not being able to cope with our uncomfortable emotions and doing that by basically like being really hard on ourselves, setting goal after goal and and continuing to raise the bar and being like, when I hit this, when I, when I get the promotion or when I graduate or when I get the boyfriend or when I get the engagement ring or when I have the kid or when I, you know, a client recently told me like, when I have the third kid, you know, when I get the summer home, when I get the boat. And so, so we do this whole like when, 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 mm-hmm. um, when in actuality, instead of thinking, okay, I'm going to try to find the thing that will make me finally be happy. What the, the, the real way to win at life, in my opinion, is to recognize that as long as you live and are human on this earth, you're going to experience frustration and anxiety and disappointment and hurt and grief and, you know, I don't know, whatever, any, all the feelings, you're going to feel all the feelings because that's what humans do. And so the way to win at life isn't to try to catch something or get something in your life that's going to make you invincible to feelings. It's to learn how to respond to our uncomfortable feelings, recognize that they're impermanent, which means they come and go mm-hmm. and be able to kind of like Tai Chi or dance with those feelings to, and be kind to yourself in those moments and learn what you need and recognize that like life is just, it is a roller coaster. But when we can step back and like approach it with what we call equanimity, where we don't like get swept away with those emotions and we're really kind to ourselves, that's like your, how you become resilient. It's not about getting something outside of yourself, like a number on a scale or, you know, a number in the bank account. Right. On that point, because that is that is like to the core of, I think, this big kid problem. Yeah. And do you, so when you're in that moment and you're getting swept away because we've all been there. Yeah. Is there anything that like you do specifically when you feel that you're getting swept away or is there anything that like you, any advice you could give yeah. for anybody in that moment, how to kind of get yourself out? Totally. So, okay. I'm going to blow your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Let's do it. Okay. So the way I approach anxiety or really any difficult feeling is very non-pathologizing. So what I mean by that is our society pathologizes difficult emotions. We 
and the pharmaceutical industry particularly tell people that if they have a difficult feeling, it means that there's something wrong with them. It means that they're not coping properly. It means that they're, they have an anxiety disorder. It means that they're depressed. You know, it means that they should take a pill. And certainly there are circumstances where I'm like, Hey, you know what? You could really benefit from getting that prescription for, you know, Xanax or the SSRI or whatever, right? But by and large, we are a very over-medicated society. And that's because we have become very uncomfortable with people having uncomfortable emotions, which is so natural. So I know I haven't blown your mind yet because I haven't really made sense, but I'm going to. <laughs> so um, as humans, we have what we call primary emotions and secondary emotions. So primary emotions are the emotions that we feel that are evolutionary. I mean, they've only kept us, emotions are the only reason we're alive today. Like if we didn't feel anxiety when a fucking, you know, saber-toothed tiger approached us on the savannah, <laughs> we would be dead, right? Anxiety has kept us alive. It gives us the fight, flight, or freeze responses that that make sure that we, you know, optimize our chances for survival. You know, if we didn't feel loneliness or shame, we wouldn't survive in groups. We wouldn't procreate. We wouldn't get dinner. We wouldn't be able to sleep or be safe. Like everything kind of comes back to more tribal times, right? Mm -hmm. Or or cave person times. So did you like what I did there? I'm trying to be um, more inclusive. So it's not caveman, it's cave person. (laughs) I like Um, it. So, but basically, so we have these emotions, right? And what happens is today, I mean, our modern day stressors are very different. So like if you're feeling a lot of anxiety because you haven't gotten a text back or because, you know, you have to interview for a job or, you know, you're ruminating or thinking about how you're, you know, single and 32 and, you know, <laughs> not, like, specific don't, here. not just if you don't have any property, you know, <laughs> like don't really have a life plan, <laughs> no prospects in the bank. <laughs> and you're like, oh shit, like, I, there's a lot of, of things that I'm like, quote unquote, doing wrong in life. Now, of course, I don't actually see it that way, which is why I can joke about it. But a lot of people actually do believe they're flawed humans because they haven't hit those checkboxes, right? Right. So if you're, you're dealing with this and feeling anxiety, but then you perceive your anxiety as something pathological or something wrong with you, then what we create are something called secondary emotions. So then we're like, instead of focusing on like the quote unquote problem and actually getting in there and being like, okay, how can I work with whatever anxiety is telling me? Because anxiety is essentially a signal. We then create anxiety for having anxiety. We create shame for feeling anxiety. We're like, what's wrong with me? I'm such a head case. No one will ever want to be with me. Why can't Hmm. I just be chill? I need to be a calmer person. I need to be more positive. These are first world problems. You know, there are children starving in Africa. And so instead of actually focusing- Oh my God, I totally relate to that. Totally. So instead of feeling and actually going into the anxiety that we're experiencing in that moment and asking us, what is it telling us? Is it the truth? Is it that there's something we have to prepare for, you know, or- taxes are due or whatever? Or is it that we're we're not enough because we are not 110 pounds? And that might be something where we're like, eh, anxiety, I think you're lying to me. So what's most helpful, like initially when, and this seems counterintuitive to probably what a lot of people have heard, but when you are feeling anxious, instead of being like, I've got to turn the anxiety off. I've got to turn the anxiety off. Let me take the Xanax. Let me like, you know, focus on the breathing exercises right away or whatever. And Sidebar, I mean, there are times where our anxiety is physical, so it might be hormonal. It might be because we drank too much last night. It might be because we had too much caffeine. It might be because we're deficient in magnesium. Mm. But like, there are other times where that anxiety we can't necessarily make go away right away through a, it's not a physiological or physical thing. And what might be more helpful is us being like, okay, so this is something I do with myself. I'll be like, it's it's called self-compassion. And I'll be like, Megan, like, okay, girl, like, you're feeling anxious right now. Like, you know, like, like just, I'm just going to be with that. I'm like, give myself permission to feel anxious. And this is the first step is what we call mindfulness. So that's a very non-judgmental acceptance of the present moment and just awareness of it. So I'm feeling anxious right now. That's neither good nor bad. That's nothing. It just is, mm-hmm. you know? So, hey, girl, you know, you're feeling anxious right now. Ooh, like, this is uncomfortable. Give yourself permission to feel that. You know, you're feeling anxious. Why? Like, let's be curious about it. Like, what what do you think the reason is that you might be feeling anxious? Is it because of one of these reasons, like you didn't sleep enough last night or, you know, you were super hungover or, you know, some dude just ghosted you or something like that? Or is it maybe anxiety around like your, I mean, for me, like I get a lot of death anxiety and anxiety around like my mortality where I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, I I need I, there's so many things that I want to accomplish and I'm afraid of of, you know, what happens after death and whatever. So Actually going into the anxiety and being like, what is this telling you is really important rather than just trying to turn the anxiety off because the anxiety is a symptom or a signal. Now, like 
I think everybody should get therapy or coaching. Obviously, that's not affordable for everyone. And I totally understand that. Um, if it is something that's in your benefits, like get it. It's fucking awesome. You just talk about yourself for 50 minutes. <laughs> and you have like a friend or like a lovely motherly or, you know, fatherly figure who's there to just like help you develop a better relationship with yourself in which you support yourself rather than beat yourself up in those moments. Um, but to come back to your original question about like what you do in those moments, first thing is actually make space for the anxiety instead of trying to turn it off. That's like the number one mistake people make because they try to turn it off before even actually making space for it and trying to understand what it's telling them. Then once you make space for it and you can be curious about it, you can be kind to yourself and you can be like, okay, do I maybe need to lower my expectations because what I'm expecting for myself right now is super unrealistic and unreasonable? Um, Do I need to give myself permission to just be a fucking human like (laughs) everybody else and realize that like Instagram is not reality? Like, you know, there's not necessarily one general thing because it's going to depend on each person's problem. Also remind yourself that it's impermanent. Like this anxiety will pass. What do you need in this moment? Instead of beating yourself up and saying that you're like pathetic or weak or a head case or, you know, trying to run from it, turn inward to it. One of my favorite quotes is Rumi, the cure for pain is in the pain. And like, if you turn inward to the pain, you're like, okay, I am feeling really anxious. It is uncomfortable. It's shitty, but I don't have to be positive. You know, I don't have to necessarily fix this right away. And maybe if I'm actually just really self-compassionate and like say something kind to myself, I can cope with this until I, you know, sleep and sleep off the hangover or whatever it is, or until I, you know, go through the, like, so for example, performance anxiety is like a specific kind of anxiety, right? Or networking. Like if you feel anxious when you're at a networking event, a lot of people be like, oh my God, I have anxiety. It's like, no, of course it's natural to feel anxious before you're presenting and like basically performing and you're going to be evaluated or you're in a social setting in which you know nobody. And again, evolutionarily, that anxiety is telling you don't get rejected because you might not be part of the group and then you might die, right? (laughs) So being able to go in there and be like, okay, it makes sense I'm feeling anxious right now. I can both make space for this anxiety and do something alongside it. Whenever I go to a networking event, whenever I present, I still feel a certain level of anxiety, but I still, I'm still able to make space for that and be like, okay, it's going to get easier. The more I do this, the easier it will get. And that comes back to the anxiety being correlated with uncertainty. So like the more you do something, the less uncertainty there is and the more competent and confident you feel in that. So if you think like confidence is on the other end of the anxiety spectrum, we move toward confidence through like, doing things, not, not only doing things over and over again so we become more competent in it and know what to expect, but also where we like make space for the uncertainty and give ourselves permission to be imperfect and kind of fuck up a bit. Yeah, that's true. And I, I like that piece what you were just saying about moving towards that confidence and, and doing things you're uncomfortable with, but getting more experience and doing them is totally a way I think that really, really helps. I know like with me, um, I've had to do some like public speaking things and that's like, I almost like in my mind, I don't, there's nothing telling me to be anxious, but then I get to that moment and then like all the physical, totally, like the physical reaction just starts to happen. Like my palms start to sweat, my voice, my saliva just disappears. Like I can't speak. And, but I have noticed like even in just my personal life, like the more I've done it, the easier it's gotten. And I, I feel like in any situation, if you, if you can push yourself to kind of get outside of that comfort zone and, get experience in whatever the hell it is that's giving you anxiety, it could really, really Totally. Help. And I would say definitely notice your expectations in those moments. Like, I can totally relate to that. I just did my first presentation, um, the, a presentation for the first time a couple of weeks ago that I didn't have my face twitch. Like, literally, <laughs> until that point, I, I wouldn't be able to stop it. I would be in front of an audience and my face would just twitch. And so there is, like, a physiological piece. And yes, we can do, you know, breathing. I mean, Inhale for three, hold for one, exhale for four, like try to, you know, kick in that parasympathetic nervous system and stuff like that. But if we're really realistic, breathing doesn't fucking like turn some of that shit off, you know? So be really realistic with your expectations, like make space for a bit of fuck ups and slips and like people like humans, not robots. So it's okay to like lose your train of thought or say, um, or, you know, you know, look at your slot or your notes or whatever, right? Yeah. So just giving yourself permission to be in the process and not be an expert on something that you've never done before. You never expect yourself to like be an expert on surfing because you read about it. Like you have to get out there and get fucking slammed around before you can do it right. So true. So true. Okay. So we were talking about some of those like physical reactions to anxiety. And um, that's something like I know with me, like it starts, it starts in a mental place, right? Where you yeah. like start to feel anxious, but then it almost like, transforms into this physical reaction. And this, I could just be speaking for like Sarah's experience. I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but like it almost turns into then I can't control it mentally because we've now moved into the physical stage where it's like, 
I feel all the weight on, you know, that my muscles start to contract and all totally. of that good stuff. And I guess my question is like, is there a way, because we talked about like some, you, those, some of those mental think cues that you can use. Um, are there physical cues? And then once you do get into that physical state, we're, we, I know you mentioned Xanax and like how we're an overmedicated anxiety mm-hmm. or uh, society. Do you ever think that there is a time, a proper time to use Xanax or like, are there other natural remedies that you would recommend? Yeah, yeah. That's so, a long question. No, no, it's a great question. It's a really great, great question. And I think your experience when you were like, is this just Sarah's experience? I mean, so many people can relate to that where it's like you have the thoughts first and then the physical symptoms come and it actually can go both ways. So like, let's say that your anxiety or the anxiety is related to um, like hormones or something, right? Like I know for me right before my period and before I ovulate, like I'm like, like super anxious and like have trouble sleeping. And that's because of like the drop in progesterone or the spike in progesterone. I was getting mixed up, but whatever. (laughs) Something's going on with that progesterone. (laughs) Something happens. And so as a result, like that actually is something that increases anxiety because either, yeah, I think it's like having enough progesterone makes us feel calmer. So whatever. The the point is hormones are one way in which like our anxiety or physical symptoms of anxiety change. So it's like low blood sugar or like a lack in magnesium, or if we're starting to get sick, you know, or if we've had too much caffeine or something along those lines, right? So mm, sometimes, that. yeah, totally me too, right? Especially right now. And so, <laughs> so like at times in that, those are situations where like the physical symptoms come first and then we almost like create thoughts to align with our experience. So for some people, like in some moments, it might not necessarily be that the physical is coming after the thoughts. It might be that the thoughts are coming after the physical. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't really matter either way. It sucks. Right. But even just giving yourself permission to be curious about your anxiety and be like, okay, what's happening right now? You know, could this be because of one of those reasons I just mentioned physiologically or physically? Or is it that I'm maybe coming up with these thoughts and I'm catastrophizing and my expectations are really high on myself and I'm not giving myself permission to feel my feelings? And, you know, and and look, like also trauma is a huge part of anxiety, right? So when we have been through... I don't even want to say major trauma. I mean, there are like major traumas people go through, but there's something else called relational trauma in which we grow up in homes where we don't necessarily feel safe or um, like our major attachment figure, which is usually a parent, is kind of inconsistent in their behavior. We, of course, feel anxious because we don't have that like what we call safe haven or we don't have that safe, secure base that we go back to where we feel um, like, you know, everything's going to be okay and we're able to what we call like regulate. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people in the homes they grow up in, they don't learn how to regulate their emotions because they weren't taught that or they didn't have it modeled for them because maybe their parents had their own traumas that were passed down. And so for them, there is like a higher, more constant state of anxiety. So I mean, it's such a complex topic and that's yeah. why I tell all these different places where it can come from. And that's why I really still think everybody should get therapy because the most important thing you can do for yourself with anxiety is understand it really, really well. So if you recognize like, oh, part of the reason I feel anxious, particularly in relationships, is because my attachment system gets activated. And what I learned growing up was that, you know, if mom was around, like, you know, she was able to be there for my needs, but I didn't know if she was going to be drunk or not. And, or, you know, not getting out of bed the next day. And so I feel anxious whenever I'm not with my partner because I think that they may never come back and I get really jealous and I freak out. I'm like speaking kind of about my experience, but also like- I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. So if that's my experience of anxiety, let's say just in a relationship or with friendships or something like that, that's probably coming from your relational trauma. And what would be really helpful is to work with a therapist who can help you change your somatic experience, which is like your bodily experience to those anxiety cues or those um, like- attachment threats or the threat response that we go through. So like that's one example of a way that you might work with that. But, you know, if the anxiety that you're feeling because you're about to present or, you know, do stand up or something like that is like the sweaty palms and it's around, you know, the fact that you really want to, you want to do well, it may very much be um, easier for you to just kind of like, again, talk yourself through, okay, of course, you know, I feel anxious right now. I'm about to present in front of X number of people and, you know, their audiences are ruthless. And like, what happens if I feel embarrassed or humiliated or this or this or that? A lot of the times our anxiety is around a feeling that we anticipate feeling. So asking yourself like, okay, I am afraid of ultimately feeling ashamed or humiliated or embarrassed or rejected um, or disappointed or something like that. So if we can actually be like, you know what? 
I may feel those things because that's part of the process of putting ourselves out there. Those things will pass. You know, I can get through that. I can practice self-compassion. That's why self-compassion is such a weapon with this stuff is like, I can support myself through the difficult times. And therefore I can trust that no matter what happens, I'm going to get through it. I'll be able to bounce back. That in itself can really help us decrease anxiety because we're like, oh, like I got this. Like I can be resilient to whatever the difficult emotions are and they will pass. The awareness piece is huge. Um, But then also, yes, like breathing can be super helpful for some people. Not everybody relates to breathing. Um, Another one (laughs) that's actually kind of related to the relational trauma stuff is we're finding a lot of research lately on what we call the vagus nerve. And so stimulating that can be really helpful. So one way to stimulate it is actually just going like, like like doing this sort of vibrating thing we vibrate it Um, and there are some theories that suggest that's part of the reason some people will like eat or drink or do oral things or smoke when they are anxious is because they're trying to so interesting yeah is that why in yoga when you do like the ohms I actually like I always feel really good when I do like a big ohm yes absolutely so and that too what it does is it, it you know again there's so much research emerging in this and like some theories are kind of being disproven but that does kick on the parasympathetic nervous system when we make our exhales longer than our inhales so yes that kind of like exhale and then of course the like primordial sound or whatever not primordial sound what am I thinking of I don't know but basically when you have like the room of people and the energy and stuff like that yeah can be helpful and and on that too connection is a huge way to decrease anxiety so oxytocin which is like kind of our like calming hormone that you know mothers like secrete basically when they're breastfeeding and stuff like that it's it can be stimulated through touch and through connection. So for some people, even just like giving themselves a hug and being like, okay, like, or t- I have a lot of clients that when I'm talking to them and they're talking about something hard, they'll do self-soothing. So they might like, like right now I'm rubbing my hand, but they might be like rubbing a hand or like stroking their arm or something like that. So for some people, those touch or tapping and stuff like that can be helpful. But yeah, I mean, there are definitely things that you can do, like practices and stuff. It's just, you have to be really realistic with what works for you. Yeah. And that's a good, that's actually, and I want to um, highlight that point you made earlier, because that's something that's actually helped me a lot. Like my anxiety has been a journey too. Yeah. Like I, when I first started getting like these feelings, like I just didn't know what was yeah. really happening. And the thing that I think you just hit it on the head was understanding, yeah. understanding your anxiety because everybody everybody's triggers are different. Exactly. What you feel is going to be different than the next person. So I've really like paid attention to my triggers. I paid attention to, okay, I'm starting to feel anxious. Like what is different today than, than yesterday? Like, did I have that extra glass of wine? What is it? So I love that. Like being really conscious of like, use your anxiety as a tool to get over it. Exactly. I tell people to treat themselves like a research project. Yeah. Like just, and and that curiosity will also help take you away from the judgment that causes the secondary emotions. So a lot of people, the second they feel anxious, they start kicking in all that self-judgment and secondary emotions. And then they're just like so anxious about feeling anxious or so ashamed of feeling anxious. And they isolate or they just like spiral. You start to fall down that hole. Exactly. And so, so it can be really helpful to just like give yourself permission to feel that anxiety and then be curious about it. Yeah. And, you know, as I think I mentioned earlier, it's kind of this didactic process of one, finding as much certainty as is possible, you know, in a way that's serving and making space for the uncertainty of it all. So let's say going back to your example of like, you know, um, doing stand-up or something like that or presenting, it can be helpful to you to work through the worst case scenario. So what happens if, like, what is the worst case scenario? What is anxiety telling me may happen? Is it you that bomb. I bomb? Yeah, exactly, you <laughs> bomb. And what does bombing look like? And what does that feel like? And like, what's, and can you come back from that? Right. And then what, you know? I mean, I know for me, some of my biggest disasters in my life have been like the greatest fucking content or like, yeah. the best, you know, the That's best so life experiences thereafter, or like, you know, they've taught me the most, or I've become that much more resilient as a result of them. So, so yeah, I mean, I think part of it is worst case scenario, working through that, finding some certainty, finding support, connecting, you know, doing some of the self-soothing practices or the breathing or whatever, and then also making space for the uncertainty and letting some of that discomfort be there and realize like, you know, it's not going to kill you to be a little uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It will pass. And if we didn't have discomfort, we wouldn't know what comfort felt like. You know, that's what life is. Yeah. You have given, okay, you've given us so much. (laughs) And like, I feel like we could honestly talk about this topic for hours because there is so much to uncover. Yeah. But one quick thing, because this is the anxiety episode and I did want to talk about this just to kind of wrap things up. So when it comes to Xanax and when, when it comes to actually not even Xanax, but just like knowing when to get professional yeah. help. Cause like my, in my experience, I had, I had like a traumatic 
time in my life. And that's what spurred my anxiety. I never had real anxiety before that moment. And I went through so much suffering because Uh I didn't know, I didn't, you know, I never had anxiety before. And and I think there's such a stigma around any kind of mental health issue that I didn't allow myself to even kind of think about like, oh, what about getting help? So I just suffered for days and the days turned into weeks and the weeks I think I got like three weeks in where I was having panic attacks every single day. And I was finally like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I need to, this is more than I can handle. Totally. And I went and like saw a therapist and then like they ultimately prescribed me Xanax. And I don't really take Xanax anymore because Mm -hmm. I feel like I have given myself enough tools and done enough research with myself that I at least can anticipate when anxiety is coming in and kind of like alleviate a lot of it because I don't really like taking Xanax. Mm -hmm. But what would be your, that's a long way of kind of saying like, when do you think it's time to get help? And what do you think about like yeah. pres- getting a prescription if you are really, really totally. suffering? So again, I mean, tough one to generalize. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think that the second you are, I think if you're struggling, like get help. I mean, this is, it's not, we don't learn this shit in school. You know, it's not like we're given this toolbox of how to manage anxiety and any difficult emotion in our lives. So I think, again, like ideally you get help the second you're like, this is hard and I'm having trouble functioning and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. Like my everyday is affected. I think everybody should get some kind of help. The medication piece, I mean, So I'm a big proponent of like, we do what serves us until it doesn't serve us anymore. And something in some situations is more serving, like we're serving at one time and in other situations it's not. I'll give you an example. Like a client of mine that I was speaking to the other day, she's going through a really rough breakup and she can't sleep. And she literally has not been able to sleep for like two weeks. And I fucking know what that feels like. And you probably too. Mm -hmm. And it's like, your body is in a state of physical anxiety because you have lost an attachment. And that's a natural response to grief. If you lose somebody by death, by breakup, like whatever. And... The poor thing, like, can't, you know, not only is she fucking devastated, but she's exhausted and she, like, cannot function. Right. And it's harder for her to use the mental tools that we might work with because she actually, like, her brain isn't working. So I'm like, <sighs> girl, go get yourself a prescription for Xanax. You know, we need to get some good sleeps, right? Yeah. It is so that it can help her become rested is a temporary solution or it's a temporary aid to the work that we're doing. It is not a long-term solution. Right. Xanax should not be a long-term solution for anybody. I mean, there's a lot of research out there and maybe even some that we don't know because, again, pharmaceutical industries actually are the ones at the root of a lot of these studies. Exactly. So, you know, that it it actually increases reactivity over time, you know, that it, it creates insomnia over time, that it creates depression over time, that like, you know, people aren't able to, uh, their cognition is affected. So, I mean, fuck, the other day I was at a um, a conference recently and it was like, yeah, it was like horrible uh, environment and uh, I was not sleeping at all. And by like day two, I was like, fuck me, I need to find some Xanax ASAP, right? (laughs) So like, like I still in my life at times will be like, yes, like I need to use a substance to help me with this temporary anxiety, but it shouldn't be a long-term solution. And I mean, I really encourage everybody to like, Just be curious about holistic methods that they can use alongside whatever prescription drug or non-prescription drug, um, you know, or weed or alcohol or whatever they might be using. Oh, yeah, CBD. I'm, like, interested to try the CBD. Yeah, totally. A lot of, I mean, there's, it's it's a lot of positive stuff is coming out of that. A lot of people are finding it helpful. So, so yeah, the the short answer is basically you do what serves you until it doesn't serve you anymore. Become very aware of your own like experience with anxiety, do not judge yourself for using something to numb your anxiety in the moment, but ask yourself, do I want to use this for the rest of my life to numb? And be very aware of the side effects because we don't talk about side effects enough of, of psychopharmaceuticals. And and also like, I mean, I hate to, to say this because I know it will trigger some people, but like exercise is an amazing antidepressant and anxiety drug. Yes. Like, get some yoga and exercise or meditation in your life. Nature, you know, like, yeah. like take away some of the fucking screens yeah. and like connect with other humans that you know, love and support you. And like, those are the best like ways to calm anxiety naturally, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, going to the substance right away, unless it is one of those moments that's more acute. 1000%. I can't believe we just hit on exercise because real quick, that has been like a huge lifesaver yeah. for me. Totally. And like getting in like yoga and doing the things I think it's so helpful. Megan, thank you so much. You've given us a lot today. You've helped solve our big kid problem. I'll, I'll include your stuff in our show notes too. Yeah, awesome. But uh, really appreciate it. I feel like we should close this out with a good, what was that? A zoo? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Voo, voo. With a V. Yeah, with a okay, V, okay. Three, go. Voo. Voo. <laughs>
right, guys. I hope that was helpful. There is honestly so much we could get into about anxiety. And before we wrap up this episode, I did just want to take a minute and share a few things that helped me get hold of my anxiety in case it helps even just one of you listening out there. So I talked a little about my traumatic period where I went weeks with constant panic attacks before getting help. And there were a few barriers that kept me from getting the help that I needed, and I wanted to address those in case they are you, you find some similarities with yourself. The biggest one for me was money. I've talked on this podcast before about how broke I was in my early 20s, and maybe some of you can relate to this. A lot of health insurances don't cover therapy, and a single session, as we know, can be kind of pricey. And let's face it, therapy isn't just a one-time thing either. So I knew at that time that there was no way I could afford paying you know, over $100 a session for however many weeks or months it was going to see uh, or it was going to take to see results. So I was like, you know, why even bother? Also, if you guys follow Big Kid Problems on Instagram by now, you know I'm kind of a sarcastic ass. So the idea of talking about my feelings to a complete stranger had just zero appeal to me. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that. But at the time, um, a friend of mine who also suffered with uh, some pretty bad anxiety gave me some advice that really, really helped me. First, she told me to go to a psychiatrist instead of a therapist because uh, I was suffering from a lot of physical reactions to my anxiety, and it seemed kind of like I was going to need the medication route anyways. So she gave me her psychiatrist directly, uh, and I was able to get in pretty quickly. But for those of you listening, if that's something of interest to you, you may need to see a therapist once to get a referral. But still, one session with a psychiatrist was way more cost-effective for me than seeing a therapist multiple times. All right. Secondly, she told me I didn't have to sit there and talk about my feelings if I didn't want to. And I didn't want to. (laughs) So I didn't know this, but you can actually go in and explain to the doctor what is wrong with you, just like you would explain like the symptoms of a cold to a regular doctor. That made me just feel better about the whole situation and kind of took the stigma away from me. Um, So when I went into the doctor, I explained my situation like very matter-of-factly. You know, I explained like my chest tightens, I'm having trouble breathing. Um, And these things led me um, to getting a prescription, which leads me to kind of my next tip. Now, if you don't have insurance or can't afford expensive prescriptions, check out GoodRx. Just Google GoodRx and it will walk you through how to get up to 80% off of your prescriptions. And I swear to God, you guys, this is not an ad. Um, Actually, my brother is a pharmacist and he told me about this because sometimes GoodRx prices are even cheaper than insurance prices. So if cost is in any way hindering you from getting help, hopefully some of those tips will help. Also, I want to note We talked a lot about natural remedies and using your prescription purposefully, but I do want to make a quick note here that every person is different and the way you use your prescribed medication should be a conversation with you and your doctor. Um, In my case, I discussed using Xanax only when needed, so that's what I did. And if you have daily medication or a more robust treatment plan, please don't use this this podcast as a means to stop that. Just consult your doctor. Please, please do that. Uh, Also, if you're not ready to go um, the professional help route yet, totally fine. There are a ton of free and cheap resources and therapy apps that are around now that weren't there when I was going through this, but I wish that they were. I'm going to put up a blog post on thebigkidproblems.com that will have a list of therapy and meditation apps that will be linked to this episode's show notes. So if you want to learn more about any of these free and cheap resources, just click on that link in show notes and it will take you to that. All right. My final point I want to make in this episode is that you and only you are in control of your mental health. If you're suffering or unhappy or feeling constant anxiety, only you are going to be the person to be able to take action here. But please just take some form of action. I can't tell you, as soon as I got help, I started feeling better immediately when I started, you know, taking the medication I was prescribed. And I was so mad at myself. I'm actually still mad at myself for not taking action sooner. 
Um, I didn't need to suffer as long as I did. And and I hope any of you listening out there that may be suffering, like, I promise you, you don't need to be suffering. There are so many ways. There are so many tools out there. Um, you just have to pick one. Only you know what you are going through. Um, don't rely on somebody. Don't rely on a parent don't, or a boyfriend, a girlfriend to get you help. Like You have to be the one to make moves. Um, even if it's just letting a friend know or just talking to one person and letting them know what you're going through, I think can be really helpful. Just do not sit alone and suffer by yourself. I promise you it's not worth it. All right. Now that got real for a second. So let's shake it off. Um, I want to thank our roundtable guests this week, Audrey Stewart and Ren Woods. They are both hilarious, and I highly recommend checking them out on social media if you like fun. Um, Also, I think laughter is one of the best medicines, so definitely check them out on social media. Their profiles will be linked in show notes. Um, Also, a big thank you to Megan Bruno, our expert this week, who really packed in a ton of information for us. And I hope uh, you found some useful tools and tricks to help you deal with anxiety whenever it comes your way. If you like this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Rating and reviewing this podcast on iTunes is extremely helpful. And I really love, you know, hearing your feedback, getting your DMs and messages. So thank you. And I want to hear more from you. So keep them coming. Uh, If you know anybody who might want to listen to this episode, send it their way, tell a friend, post it on your IG stories. Every little bit counts. And uh, I appreciate you guys helping me get the word out on this very, very new podcast. It honestly means the world to me and helps so much. So uh, until next week, thank you so much for joining this week, you guys. Take care of yourselves. Practice your self-care. Do your vibrational breaths. Treat yourself, do what you need to do, and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye.